costume swap at the town hall from two to four today. Okay, costume swap, town hall, two to four. So you can bring old costumes and pick up one that are maybe the right size for your kids this year. And if they don't have one, just come pick up? And just pick one up. Oh, oh, is there a meeting scheduled for next week? Okay, so, so in a week, so the congregation meeting after worship. And of course, looking forward to the trunk and tree at the end of the month. Anything else? All right. Please join me in the call of the Lord. Day to day, there are new wonders. The heavens are full of God's glory. We come held by the work of God's hands, above us and below us, the ways of God are perfect. God holds us together and revives our soul. God holds us together and shows us the ways of love. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of all our hearts praise and honor you today. God, please teach us to be attentive to your word. Help us hear you in silence that speaks your life-giving word through the transforming power of your spirit. Amen. Let us sing together. Please rise and body your spirit if you're able. We'll just sing the first two verses of the Rock of Ages. 
Thank you. Please be seated. Okay, you guys. I have I have a a special way of doing the prayer of healing this morning. So I'm hoping that it'll be kind of a an, a participatory thing. If you would be willing to call out some words, I'm going to come around with some words and we're going to distribute them. And then, and then I'll tell you what we're going to do. And if you, if you get some words, you'll just be calling them out at when, when the time arrives. Thank you guys so much. Okay, so for our prayer of healing, your, your words are either red or green, or you may be having some of both. So the green ones, the, the red ones are going to be first. So first we're going to like call out the red words, and if people say it both at the same time, that's fine. If there's an awkward pause, that's okay. I really kind of, I thought sort of the timing of it and sort of the organic nature that would have something maybe special. So. Um, First, we're going to call out the red words and then the green, and between the two, I'll say a sentence. All right. You got your red words handy here? God, you lift up the pain and error of the world. Denial. Injustice, exploitation, distance, disregard. Here now these wives giving words, the blessing and healing God cultivates the moment. God, thank you for your blessing. May these words of healing take root within us and become the, re the living reality among and through us. Thank you guys so much. And then we have another um, another sort of different special thing that I was hoping we could do today. All across the globe today, Christians are reading um, about the Ten Commandments because it's part of the lectionary reading, like in the Revised Common Lectionary that so many churches follow. Not all of them, but a bunch do. And so I have a special reading prepared for the Ten Commandments, including um, 
portion of Exodus where they where they are written, but also interspersed with prayer and the readings from the 19th Psalm. So, sort of to what one of the things that I'm hoping will arise from this experience of this reading is um, to be hearing the, the this really familiar text of the Ten Commandments as a way of God showing God's self to people and showing up for people and manifesting God's self both for the ancient people that received that message and also for people for thousands of years, even for us. This text has meant so many things to so many people for so long. This is one of the things I'm hoping will rise for us today. And so we have three readers. Um, bring reading to Asher, who will be reader one. Mary will be reader two, and I'll be reader three. Reader one has got 19 songs. Mary's got Exodus, and I've got the plan. All right, reader one. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the fourth, third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. We remember the day, God, when you shared yourself with ancient people. The sky flashed and the thunder rolled. And you were there in a cloud, promising relationship, promising your love. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord, your God, for the Lord will not hold onto guiltless, guiltless, who misuses his name. Guide us to honor your living presence in the people around us. In the plants, the animals, the earth, and the sky. Let us recognize that it's holy and be faithful. Remember the Sabbath day. By keeping it holy, six days you shall labor in all of your work. Make us willing to step away from the busyness and the status and the accomplishments, the shame and the consumerism. Let us be bathed in the light of your love and in the healing rest of Sabbath. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land of the Lord. Your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You should, shall not steal.
You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. You, God, who have made the earth in your wisdom and the heavens in your understanding, you have woven your ways and your artistry into the fabric of every life. You, God, give us integrity to care for one another, for ourselves, and our world through your own. And the people saw the thunder and lightning, and heard the trumpet, and saw the mountain and smoke. They trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to yourself, and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you. And so the fear of God will keep with you, keep you from sinning. Give us the courage to be present to you, knowing you are present to us. Give us the courage to be present to you, knowing that to sin is to wander away from you, to wander from your wonder, your glory, your mystery, to wander from your justice, your righteousness, and your care for all creation. May we be filled with a holy awe that keeps us coming back into your presence, and makes the reality of your light and power the most powerful and guiding reality for us. Amen. Thank you. <coughs> okay. Here's a story time. We, um, you guys have heard the story Humpty Dumpty, right? Is there anybody who has not known this rhyme since before they could remember here? Anybody? Okay, we all know Humpty Dumpty always sat on the wall. He had a great fall, and all the king forces and all the king forces couldn't put Humpty together again. This story has always made me feel really sad, right? Like, ever since I was a kid, I was like, oh, this is a horrible thing. My goodness. You know, there's nothing we can do about it, but it just sort of keeps coming up and it's repeated, and I felt a little bit sad about it again every single time, honestly. Um, and here's a picture, right? Like a picture of Humpty Dumpty. He's always like falling or looking serious or like broken on the sidewalk. Here he's frowning, he's got cracks, but he has his great fall. And it's really sad. Okay. So this is a story that we've heard over and over and over again, and we all know how it goes. So in the scripture that we're going to read today, Jesus is going to share a story with a group of um, like religious leaders, and it's a story that that's familiar to them. But then Jesus changes the ending into something unexpected. Jesus is always changing endings in his teachings to try and kind of flip people's understanding and get them to a new place. And, um, and 
certainly that happens. That ha that's what happens in the story of Jesus himself with the crucifixion. It was meant to be this annihilation, and instead it was a source of great power and rebirth um, and hope. Exactly the opposite of what the end of that story was supposed to be. And so that's something that we live out every day and have the invitation to live out through Christ, through our lives. And so I wanted to share with you a, a, a picture that I saw this week that just made me so tremendously happy. And this is a retelling of the Humpty Dumpty story. It's Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And that's the end of the story. And here is a picture of him having a great fall. He's wearing a cap and a jacket and walking through the woods, watching the leaves fall. He's sitting by a fire reading a book. He's carving pumpkins. He's going apple picking, reaching up for an apple. And he's having this great fall. And, <laughs> and so here's wishes for all of us to enjoy such a lovely fall together. And to keep our imaginations going for that ending that's more beautiful than we had there imagined. Our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. And then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. And when the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. And then he again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. When the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is his heir. Come, let us kill him and get the inheritance. So they seized him, threw him off the vineyard, and killed him. Now the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, you will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the produce at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in your eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd because they regarded him as a prophet. Now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. So Jesus tells the story about the tenants and the landlord to this group of religious leaders who would have known the story well. It's, it's from the book of Isaiah. He's drawing in, I think, from Jeremiah, too, that he's working with texts that these people know. 
And when they were hearing this story, I think right up to the end, when he tells them the kingdom's going to be taken from you, I think they're putting themselves in the place of like the vineyard that's being um, that 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 God wants to protect. They're putting themselves at, at the plants that are bearing the fruit. They might have thought that the bad tenants were like the Roman Empire, you know, the people from outside that were not doing the proper job of caring for God's beautiful vineyard. People, their people, their community, their country. But then Jesus flips their expectation, their understanding of that story on its head, and is basically telling them, no, no, I don't want you to look at some outside force at this time. You guys need to get aligned with doing the justice that God is asking people to do, because you're not doing it, and you're not on a good path, and it's really important, and it's got to change. And they were furious, <laughs> right? Like, hopefully later on they thought about it, took it to heart, but right in that moment, they were like, okay, no, 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 this guy, this guy's got to go. He's got to be arrested. But it's hard, right? That kind of thing is hard. It's hard. It's hard when someone's telling you you're not the kind of person or you're not living the life that you had pictured yourself leading that you would hope to lead. <coughs> but Jesus has this work of flipping expectations, right? Like of getting people to look again at a situation through new eyes. And he keeps trying to do this and trying to do this trying to shake people out of their inability to see and live into the love of God. The scripture that we read is part of a series of things that Jesus is doing and saying, trying to get people to just flip their understanding. The, the text that we read today comes right after the text we read last week, which comes shortly after the story of him flipping the table. In the, in the temple where people were buying and selling. He flips over the temple, causes a huge commotion, tells people that my house was designated a house of prayer. You've made it a hangout for thieves. And all of these, this, this, this commotion in the temple, these other stories, they're upsetting the religious leaders horribly. Well, understandably. Okay, starting with the temple. Where, that, where he flipped the tables, you know, ruined people's stuff. I think most of us would be very upset if someone came into our church and caused the fraction of the chaos that he caused at that temple. It's, it's understandable. But as we're looking at today's text, as we're looking at what happened at the temple there that started this ball rolling that led to today's, um, today's text, I think it's really, really important to remember that not everybody was so upset about what Jesus did in that temple. For example, the kids apparently were not upset. There were kids there. And here in the Gospel, Matthew, it mentions that. Um, and it said that they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, right? Like they were cheerful about it. I think kids have been often just reading the room, right? Like they're paying attention to people's faces. 
They're paying attention to what if this was really upsetting to their family. And if they had experienced this as some horrible like attack on their temple that was that like hurt their families horribly, they they would have been like more sticking close to their moms or their dads or their aunts and uncles. Like they would have been crying. They wouldn't be running around shouting words of praise. But they were. That's what they were doing. They probably read Jesus. They read the reaction of their family. And they weren't scared. And they weren't mad. Now, I guess I can see why that would be the case, right? I mean, you go to the, your kid, you go to the temple maybe to pray or to help your mom or dad or aunt or uncle, whatever, with, with selling some doves. And all of a sudden, something completely unexpected happens. And now there's like, doves flapping around and there were sheep there there's probably someone running after their sheep trying to catch them and diving right down on the floor missing the sheep there's dignified grown-ups who are shouting there's like um there's cows people are the cows are mooing someone's going after a cow i, I am convinced that in all this commotion and cows and sheep and people running around somebody had to have slipped in a cow pie and gone right down on the ground this would have been an exciting day to be there and be a kid. It would have been memorable. And so they were shouting, kind of adding to the chaos, right? But picking up on the truth that was going on here, which is that something new and promising and joyful was coming into this space. It wasn't exactly their job to keep everything from being chaotic, which is what usually falls to us grown-ups, right? Like, we can get a lot of responsibility, and it can distract us from the importance of reading the situation, recognizing the presence of God when things get chaotic. So the kids, the kids were not upset, and there was a whole other group of people that was not upset at all about what happened in the temple. And that those were people that were needing healing. The message version says it kind of adds a different level of meaning. meaning. I think it says once those tables got um, pushed aside, it made room for the people who needed healing. And they started pouring in. They didn't wait. And so in the middle of these feathers flying and the people running around and the sheep and the cows and the kids shouting, all of a sudden another thing starts happening, right? And that's these people start pouring in to get to Jesus. And they don't just get to them. They don't just get to him. They get to him and they find their healing. People who had been marginalized, people who had been made to feel that they didn't belong, people who had to fight every step of the way. They had room in the temple in that time of chaos. And they came to Jesus there, and the healing power of God came down on them, and they were never the same. So those were some people that were happy about what happened in the temple. But as we already heard, the leaders were not. It was their job to kind of keep things calm, keep it all together. They were distracted by that. By some eagles. So they came to Jesus asking, 
who he thought he was, by what authority he was doing this. And when Jesus answered them with a series of stories, including this one that we heard today about the vineyard, they were upset. Now, some people um, throughout history have used this passage that we read today as, as a reason for anti-Semitism, which seems really ironic. You know, the part where it says that the kingdom of God will be given to other people. They say, oh, that means it's going to be given from the Jews to the Christians. And it, it, it's, it's the text has been used to support violence against people, which is horrible. Um, the, the point of the text is that we got to look at ourselves. Jesus was talking, when he was talking to this group of leaders, trying to flip their understanding, he was talking to people in his own community, in his own family. And as followers of Christ, we too are part of Jesus' community, part of Jesus' family. So we've got to take our words in. And when he talked to these people, he was saying, we got to get this right. Because it's really important. I mean, I think it's obvious how important this is to people who are getting left out. But it's also important to the people who are on the side of trying to keep things together and missing out on the presence of God and on the opportunity to be part of doing God's work for justice and mercy and love. Because however we are separated from God, and, and we are, to degree because we're human, right? It hurts. I think people go through a lot so they don't have to feel that hurt. I think we put up walls of denial. We put up walls of distraction. We put up walls of kind of a, a false ego to a degree. Sometimes I think a lot of people don't even know that they're carrying hurt that comes from a separation of God, a separation of not being able to see what God is doing in the chaos. The greed, the pride, the distraction, whatever it is that stands in the way of our relationship with the God of love it needs to be knocked down. It needs to be flipped over. And flipping these things can feel chaotic. Like when Jesus knocked down the tables in the temple. But when we're able to flip over the things that hold us back, then we too are free to be like the children who celebrated when Jesus overturned those tables. We're free to run around in the chaos like it holds no threat to us, we're free to see the funny parts of it and the entertaining parts of it. Even take a little bit of delight in it, maybe. We're free to let laughter pour over us as we shout words of praise. And we'll be free to be like those people in deep need who rushed into the temple after Jesus knocked those tables aside. We will be free to rush to Christ 
rushing around every obstacle like water that can't be held back from rushing to the earth. And then the healing power will come down on us too, and we will never be the same. Amen. Let us sing the first two verses of now. Thank you all for coming.
and please be the leaders, help leaders in our communities and in the nation and the world, moving their hearts to they may guide us to this peace. Thank you again so much. Lord God, help us take good care of your earth and and the coming generation, the children who have seen your scriptures often see things in a way that we grown up don't and sometimes recognize you and celebrate you in ways that a lot of people don't. So thank you. And we praise you. And now let us raise up all the prayers of our own hearts, knowing God hears every prayer spoken in this
in us, Spirit of the living God, that our lives may carry your Spirit. Be our finest offerings, both through these gifts into the world you love. Amen. Let us sing together, God moves in a mysterious way. Thank you. 